that Joshua had captured A, uh, I, it, and had utterly destroyed it, just as he had done to Jericho and his king, so he had done to Ai and its king, and that the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and went, um, were within their land. That he feared greatly because Gibeon was a small, uh, was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than I, and all his men were mighty. Therefore, Adoni Zedek, the king of Jerusalem, sent word to Hoham, king of Hebron, and, Pi and to Piram, king of Jarmuth, and to Japhia, king of Lachish, and to Deber, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me, and let's, let us attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the sons of Israel. So the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered together and went up, they with all their armies, and camped by Gibeon and fought against it. And then the men of Gibeon sent word to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal, saying, Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites that live in the hill country have assembled against us. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the valiant warriors. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hand. Not one of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came upon them suddenly by marching all night from Gilgal. And the Lord confounded them before Israel, and he slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, and pursued them by the way of the ascent of Beth Haran, and struck them as far as Azekah and Makeda. As they fled before Israel, while they as they fled from before Israel, while they were at the descent of Beth Horon, the Lord threw large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died on, from the hailstones than those whom the sons of Israel killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the sons of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, O sun, stand still at Gibeon, and O moon in the valley of Aegelon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, until the nation until, until the nation avenged themselves of their enemies. Is it not written, written in the book of Jashar? And the sun stopped in the middle of the sky, and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there was no day like this before it or after it, when the Lord listened to the voice of man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua and all Israel with him returned to the camp to Gilgal. So... We uh, have the, these uh, Adonai Zedek, and he hears what's been happening with I, with Jericho, and even about this treaty with the Gibeonites. Now, how did he feel about this? What, because? Yeah, they really want Gibeon joining with them uh, to fight against the Israelites. And it really worries him that Gibeon's on the side of the Israelites. That wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> and so what does Adonai Zedek do? Calls everybody in the, the, the Brotherhood of Kings and said, well, let's go attack Gibeon and punish them. Yes. So we have this five-king coalition who are going to go up to Gibeon to fight against it. Surely five kings against one, they ought to be able to defeat Gibeon. Now what was their point to defeating Gibeon if they'd have done that? I don't know, it seems to me they're attacking the wrong nation. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. It's they're, like, you guys made an agreement and got to live, we're going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. 
I mean, they would have gotten any of the resources that were in the city of Gibeon. They would have shown that making a peace treaty with Israel was useless uh, to any other cities that might be thinking about it. Yes. So, I mean, if you you attack the if you attack and injured the closest ally of a big nation, then nobody really will trust them. Right, and you don't want them to have allies. So if you can peel off the allies, that leaves you know Israel more uh, you know vulnerable, I guess. So that's what they decide to do. They're going to take on Gibeon and fight against them. And that puts the Gibeonites in a difficult situation. How are they going to deal with this five king coalition? So what do they do? Call Israel. Yes. Uh, And they ask for help from the Israelites who they have just tricked. (laughs) But they need help. Seems like the perfect out for Joshua. It's like, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, well, I hope it goes okay. Oh, no, we're in a far country. Look <laughs> 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 ah, at that far country routine again. Uh, you're too far. Look at our clothes and our b- bread here. <laughs> By the time we would get there, our swords would have rusted. <laughs> <laughs> that would have served him right, wouldn't it? <laughs> That's not what he does, though, is it? Wow, what does he do? He marches all night to get there and surprise them, the enemy, that is. Yes. Joshua comes to their rescue. You know, in spite of being hoodwinked by them, you know, the Israelites keep their word. and They, they march there all night, and Joshua comes suddenly, and the Lord confounded them before Israel and killed them you know, with a great slaughter at Gibeon, and so forth and so on. So the Lord does intervene to help, and Joshua comes to the aid of these people who've deceived him. That's really interesting, that, you know, there's this degree of loyalty. You know, we made the covenant, we're going to preserve your life, we're going to help you. Gibeonites are probably feeling really good about their uh, trick right about now. You know, because they get uh, the Israelites, you know, on their side. What does the Lord actually do to defeat the this uh, coalition of nations? Pounds them with. I said confounds them oh, first, confounds and them. then yeah, and throws hailstones on them. Yeah, does he is he doing the pursuing or is Israel? Israel's pursuing them, okay. I think. But so then he's throwing the large stones, the hailstones. Yeah, almost hail boulders. <laughs> you know, wow. There were more who died from the hailstones than the Israelites killed with the sword. So this was uh, like God almost opening up his artillery. <laughs> you know, can you imagine God bombing them <laughs> with these hail boulders? <laughs> that must have really given you a headache. And... Uh, then, what does Joshua ask for? The sun to stand still. The sun to stand still so that... They can keep fighting because if they stop, then they lose their momentum. Okay. Now, that's a really weird thing to ask, don't you think? Ask the sun to stand still. Ask God to just kind of stop the... Well, really, I guess it's the Earth's rotation, but, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if they knew that. 
you know, can you can you put the brakes on the sun there for a little bit? <laughs> yeah, and the moon's rotation. Yeah. Or the no And he does, <laughs> and they fight, and he says in verse fourteen, "There was no day like that before it or after it when the Lord listened to the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel." So the Lord actually did it. He responded to Joshua's prayer and intervened on their behalf, made the day stand still so that, you know, they had longer to fight. God's at no loss for ways to protect his people. Have you heard about them finding Joshua's long day astronomically? It's bogus. I don't have to go in with the urban legends. Uh, there's no... You, you'll get some things. We're bad about believing this stuff. You know, there's things that float around on the internet and in church bulletins and things like that that the scientists came up with these, I don't know how many hours, unaccounted for. You know, they didn't know how to explain it until somebody, you know, knew the Bible and said, oh, well, this is the long day. That's where those hours were. It's all a fabrication. That would be a cool story, you know, <laughs> but uh, it's not true. Uh, so when it seems too good to, good to be true, even in Bible study circles, take it with a grain of salt. Check it out. Because there's def- different things like that people, you know, invent to try to bolster the Bible. We sure don't want to try to defend the scriptures with some sort of fabricated argument. That just weakens our case. But do we know of any kind? history people like of countries and stuff having some day mark like something different happen or not? no not that I know of we don't so really stop and think about it are there options as to how God could have done this sure of course like I mean he's God he could do it any way he wanted to but but he, I mean you could say a, a localized temporal distortion in other words, the de- the sun stood still in that area only. Right. And, and that's the point I want to make. We don't know. It doesn't have to match scientifically. Yeah, we don't know that this meant that suddenly the earth screeched to a halt and we backed it up a little bit. You know, or held it steady. That may not be the way it happened. Maybe somehow the Lord just extended the, the light right there. Maybe nowhere else. We really don't know. We're not given those kind of details. So it may be there's not a long day to be found astronomically and historically, other than maybe right here. Just like God didn't have to back up the earth for Hezekiah's sun thing. Right, exactly. And there's a lot of things that, you know, boy, we're really getting on thin ice when we try to also say, and this is how God did this. How do we know? But pretty impressive still. God intervened. I think pretty impressive that Joshua was staying faithful to that covenant. In spite of the fact that he was deceived into making it, he's going to stay loyal to it, he's going to protect the Gibeonites, and he's got God's approval of that, it looks to me like, and what God's doing here. And clearly God won this victory. It's not primarily Joshua's victory. I mean, Joshua did march all night, he did come, he did call upon the Lord's help, but it's really the Lord that, that did the heavy lifting in this battle. And how... How long was this day? I mean, it says that it, this, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. So it's, I'm like... Another eight hours? Another... 
12 hours, another 24 hours, another... And I'm just thinking, if you're one of Joshua's soldiers, you've just marched all night, and you've been fighting in this battle all day long, and the day doesn't (laughs) end. This day just never ends. (laughs) Quite literally. (laughs) And then you march back to camp at the end. And I'm like going... (laughs) We've been going 48 hours. It's supper time again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows how all that worked. kind of throw you off, though, if you calculated time by the sun. Yeah. yeah. Sun stood still, however that was. But if you're winning, then I think it's a little different. It invigorates you. Yeah. Yeah, energizes well, you. Maybe there's a very, very good reason why God was doing all the heavy lifting, because Joshua's men were going... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, you've got this coalition. I mean, this is going to be hard to fight against, theoretically. You know, from a human standpoint, we would assume that Israel does not have what it takes to do that. It's kind of convenient of them to like, all get together. And yeah, actually, it was. Turned out to be. Is Gibeah ever punished for their disease? Not that I know about. It looks like they marched about. This note says twenty-five miles. Twenty-five miles uphill. But, um, so that was a long march mm-hmm. by any standard. Yeah. Is the book of what's his name anywhere else? Jasher. No, we don't know about that. Well, my um, note says that it's poetic writings. Is it mentioned in Second Samuel as well? There are books mentioned in Second Samuel. I don't know for sure about oh, wait. that one. It it mentioned in Second Samuel one eighteen. I wondered about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's another song written in the Book of Jasher. Maybe Jasher was a songbook. It says it's poetic writings of important events in Israel's history. But we really don't know about it. Other thoughts? All right, how about 16 to 27? Now these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in the cave at Makeda. It was told Joshua, saying, The five kings have been found hidden in the cave of Makeda. Joshua said, Roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and assign men by it to guard them. But do not stay there yourselves. Pursue your enemies and attack them in the rear. Do not allow them to enter their cities, for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. It came about when Joshua and the sons of Israel had finished slaying them with a very great slaughter until they were destroyed and the survivors who remained of them had entered the fortified cities that all the people returned to the camp to Joshua at Makeda in peace. No one uttered a word against any of the sons of Israel. Then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave and bring these five kings out to me from the cave. They did so and brought these five kings out to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. It came about when they brought these kings out to Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the chiefs of the men of war who had gone with him, 
Come near, put your foot on the necks of these kings. So they came near and put their feet on their necks. Joshua then said to them, Do not fear or be dismayed. Be strong and courageous, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies with whom you fight. So afterward Joshua struck them and put them to death, and he hanged them on five trees, and they hung on the trees until evening. It came about at sunset that Joshua gave a command, and they took them down from the trees and threw them into the cave where they had hidden themselves, and put large stones over the mouth of the cave to this very day. Alright, so this is kind of the follow-up on the great defeat of the armies. What happens to the five kings? They hide. They hide where? In a cave. And what do they do with the cave? They seal it up. Seal it up with a big rock and they put a guard behind it. You know, really they see that they've got these five kings trapped. They go ahead and, you know, finish slaying these nations with a very great slaughter. And then Joshua has them open the mouth of the cave and bring these guys out. And so they bring out these uh, uh, five uh, that were kings that they had defeated their armies. And he has the uh, chiefs of men put their feet on their next, necks. Uh, you know, showing that, that they have conquered them, that they are superior to them. You know, it's almost like if you put your foot on something, you're claiming ownership of it. And if you tread on something, you're saying it's subject to you. You know, um, you trample something down, you're on top of it. Uh, so, that that's what they do. And Joshua says, do not fear or be dismayed, be strong and courageous. That's what he always says. The Lord is with you and will fight against you. And this becomes a good encouragement to them. If they've been able to defeat these five kings with the Lord's help, who can they not defeat? They need to have trust in God. They need to just press forward and not be intimidated in this fight. And uh, so Joshua has them put to death and hung on five trees and uh, has them put large stones over the cave. So... That becomes kind of a monument uh, to what they've done. Comments and questions? They took out the king of Jerusalem here. Why did they not take the city until David's day? Good question. Um, That's really a two-part answer. A, what they're doing right here is mostly conquering the strongest people, the strongest kings, the strongest territories. They're not necessarily wiping everybody out right now. They're taking out the leadership, the most powerful men. It's really going to be left to each tribe to individually, you know, clean up, mop the mop-up operation, get rid of all the rest of the Canaanites that are still living in the land since God, through Joshua, has really defeated the backbone of their resistance. Does that make sense? And the other thing is, so they do defeat Jerusalem. Uh, the tribe of Judah does in Judges 1.8. They, they conquer the Jebusites in Jerusalem. And then they turn around and they don't occupy Jerusalem, and the Jebusites come back in and live there until the days of David. So, on that score, they just didn't fi- finish the job. 
you know, they got intimidated or whatever, and they didn't, they didn't keep pressing to the point of wiping them out there. Other questions or comments? Weren't they also just uh, destroying these armies, not necessarily even in their cities? That's right. They had, these had all come to him, and so he defeats them all, and it doesn't appear that it went to their respective cities to finish, finish them off at this point. Yeah, I agree. I right, 28 to 39. Now Joshua captured Machida on the day on that day and struck it and its king with the edge of the sword. He utterly destroyed it and every person who was in it. He left no survivor, thus he did to the king of Machida, just as he had done to the king of Jericho. Then Joshua and all Israel with him passed on from Machida to Libna and fought against Libna. And the Lord gave it also into the hand, and it gave it also with its king in the hands of Israel, and he struck it and every person who was in it with the edge of the sword. He left no survivor in it. Thus he did to its king, just as he had done to the king of Jericho. And Joshua and all Israel with him passed on from Libna to Lachish, and they camped to get, uh, by it and fought against it. And the Lord gave Lachish into the hands of Israel, and he captured it on the second day and struck it with every person who was in it, with the edge of the sword, according to all that he had done to Libna. Then Horam, king of Gezer, came up to help Lachish, and Joshua defeated him and his people, and he until he had left, no, left him no survivor. And Joshua and all Israel with him passed on from Lachish to Eglon, and they camped by it and fought against it. And they captured it on that day and struck it with the edge of the sword, and he utterly destroyed that day, every person who was in it, according to all that he had done to Lachish. Then Joshua and all Israel with him went up from Eglon to Hebron, and they fought against it. And they ca captured it, struck it, and its king, and all its cities, and all the persons who were in it with the edge of the sword. He left no survivor, according to all that he had done to Eglon. He had destroyed it, and every person who was in it. Then Joshua and all Israel with him returned to the beer, and they fought against it, and he captured it and its king and all its cities, and they struck uh, them with the edge of the sword and utterly destroyed every person who was in it. He left no survivor, just as he had done to Hebron, so he did to the beer and its king, as he had also done to Libna and its king. Well, what do you see in this? It's kind of redundant. Yes, it is. What do we see? Camp next to the city, capture it, destroy it, it's king and all its inhabitants, and utterly destroy it. Mm -hmm. How many cities did we see this set about here? Seven. Seven. Doesn't surprise you, does it? I started counting, I only found six, and then I realized I missed one. Yeah. You know if you just find six, you got to find that seventh one somewhere. Yeah. So there were seven of these, spoken really in parallel, they conquer, these are some of the great cities... Uh, you know, you, you'll see how the Lord's hand is in this. For example, verse 30, the Lord gave it also with his king into the hands of Israel. Um, so, um, this, was, this was a great victory for the Lord um, as he delivers them into the Israelites' hand. Um, and there's really not much these nations can do about it. God is giving the kingship to his people and uh, the leadership. So, uh, Joshua was really dealing with the backbone of the opposition. You know, the work that's left for the individual tribes to do is not going to be all that difficult if they'll just go and do it. Because the, 
you know, really defiant opposition is already killed. Comments and thoughts on that? He goes back to some of the cities that their kings had been in the mm-hmm. coalition. Not all of them. Right, like Lachish and Eglon and Hebron and so forth. Yes. I mean, not Hebron. Point. Well, some of them end up fighting again later, don't they? Or? Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, maybe so, I'm not sure. That's what I, some of that is always confusing. They, like Jerusalem, obviously, it gives us details of that. But there are several others that go in and destroy the people, utterly destroy the city, or destroy. And then later on, you hear of the like Agagites and you know that type of thing that came that show up later after they had destroyed them. Well, you've got several issues. Sometimes it is, they didn't just wipe out everybody, they drove them out, destroyed the city, well then they can come back in, they can migrate back in. Um, So, I mean, that's one issue that occurs sometimes. Now, with the Amalekites, and Saul utterly destroying the Amalekites, except one plus a bunch of animals, and Samuel killed that one, then you wonder why why are there any Amalekites to be around anymore if he utterly wiped them out except for one. But I think the answer to that is the Amalekites were actually kind of nomadic groups and there was more than one group of Amalekites. And so Saul almost kind of wiped out one group. But there's more to be dealt with. Don't they deal with Lakish more than once? Maybe so. sounds like a very... Well, it's certainly, <laughs> it's certainly an important city later on in Israel's history. It certainly fought over, you know, it was one of the last cities standing, like in the, when the Babylonians conquered. Uh, you can, I think, uh, you might look at like Jeremiah 34 about that. But, but So, I mean, Lachish becomes important anyway. I'm not sure if it's conquered twice here in Joshua. I don't see any note on that. Here is a note on Gezer. Uh, okay. Great day for us. Joshua 16.10 and Judges 1.29 that it's a still a Canaanite stronghold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think that if we knew the whole story, this would probably make sense. Like, you know, somebody came back in or they didn't kill everybody or right. they built another city with the same name. Right, yes. <laughs> You've read Judges. Other, other people, different... <laughs> He destroyed the uh, whatever you nomadic know. group of yeah the, he you know the Jebusites in Gezer and then he destroyed the Amorites in Gezer yeah. <laughs> right yeah. right right somebody else moved in the, there and yeah it's only the people who were in the city at the time of the battle and not those who were out in the field well and a there. couple or one at least at least mentions he destroyed captured all its cities. As if there's mm-hmm. yeah. right thirty nine. Uh, right, that there were some cities surrounding it. The beer yeah. fought against it, captured it, its king, and all its cities. <laughs> yeah, you got that in uh, thirty seven also. That almost appears to be more of a country Regional. or a, yeah. Yeah, a region. Yeah, I think it wasn't uncommon for like a powerful king to start to sort of control the cities around his city. So, 
And, and if you think of it as like a, as De Beers being the walled city, and then there were the little villages around the outside that, when there was a threat, they would run inside. Mm -hmm. That type of a. Well, they didn't call on Israel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Save us. All right. Well, very good. We will uh, stop here for tonight, and like I said, I won't be here next Thursday. So I think I should be okay for two Thursdays from now.